folklore is usually a culmination of truth and fiction. It's a sort of flavoring for a specific region, a mash of traditions, beliefs, and stories that are passed from one generation to the next. It can be difficult to pick apart, because with every new storyteller, there's a new spin on the original. Multiply that by a hundred years or more, and what you get may scarcely resemble the seed of truth buried inside. Lore is obscure. Its murky waters are fascinating to gaze upon. But is it safe to jump in? Perhaps a dive into the swampy waters is exactly what's necessary to decipher the strange disappearance of David Lang, a man who vanished into thin air in Gallatin, Tennessee on September 23rd, 1880. I'm Vanessa K. Eccles, and this is Fabled. The last day was like every day, and that was the irony. My breakfast was the same, toast with butter and one cup of coffee. Some days I waited for Emma to make eggs, but more often than not, I was out the door and heading toward the barn. The horses greeted me, as they do with short grunts or the occasional neigh. That morning was fairly warm, and as I shoveled the stalls, put out the hay, and went on about my chores, nothing told me this would be the last time I'd ever perform these tasks. By lunchtime, most of my chores were complete, and I headed back toward the house. Emma and the children were in the kitchen. I could hear their chattering from the front door. Spell goat, Emma said. Then Sarah would slowly repeat the word over again, dragging out each letter until she sorted it in her mind. Sandwiches made from last night's roast were set at the table with a clump of apples in a bowl in the middle. I found my chair and closed my eyes for a moment, allowing my feet to rest, feeling the dull throb of age creep through my legs. Ours was a simple life, but not an easy one. But I'd always felt such was the case for most people. Life rarely relents with the struggles. Sarah chatted about wanting a new dolly for Christmas, which was still months away. Emma smiled, nodded, and kept urging our son to eat more. His appetite was that of a bird, and Emma was determined he'd grow up healthy and strong, even if it meant she'd have to spoon-feed him every meal for the rest of her days. After lunch, I returned to the chores, only a few more before the workday was done. When I made it to the pasture, I saw Judge Peck down the way. He and his brother-in-law rode in the carriage, likely headed home from town, I imagined. We exchanged smiles and waves. I turned around and caught glances with Emma, who looked beautiful in the afternoon light, with our little ones on the porch with her. I couldn't help but realize how perfect our small lives seemed at that moment. I took one last step, and all was lost. Forever.
On a fall day in 1880, David Lang walks across his field toward his horses and vanishes in thin air. His disappearance is witnessed by his wife, children, and a family friend, Judge August Peck, and Judge Peck's brother-in-law. Judge August Peck usually brought presents for the children when he came, so they stopped playing and watched as his buggy pulled closer. David Lang waved at Judge Peck, then turned back toward the house and disappeared mid-step. Miss Lang screamed, and she and Judge Peck immediately went to where they last saw David Lang, but nothing was there. It was just a field of short grass, no trees or things to hide behind, no holes in the ground. They searched the entire ground, but there were no signs of David Lang. Later that night, neighbors were gathered up and a massive search party scoured the area for any signs of Mr. Lang. The following weeks were a mix of heartbreak and curiosity. The strange and impossible tale spread like wildfire, and people began wanting to see the site for themselves. The local authorities had to keep watch to chase the overly curious off the Lang property. The county surveyor was sought out to inspect the property. He confirmed that the land was perfectly solid, with no evidence of sinkholes or underground caves. Months later, the Lang children noticed an odd patch of yellowed grass in the area where they'd last seen their father. The patch was about 15 feet in diameter and was a perfect circle. Sarah, his daughter, began to call out to her father. Amazingly, the children heard a response. His voice seemed to be calling for help. Unfortunately, his voice soon faded away and he was never heard from again. Because Mr. Lang's disappearance was so odd, the family didn't know whether to have a funeral service or what to do. Was David Lang deceased? Or did he still roam the farm on another plane of existence? What really happened? No service was ever held for him, and in time, Mrs. Lang and the children left the farm. Through the years, people have speculated what could have happened. Was he abducted by UFOs? Did he get swept away by fairies? I mean, no one knew. His daughter Sarah turned to spiritualism in her adult years to try to figure out what happened to her father. She tried to channel her father and her then-deceased mother. And she learned through clairvoyance that her mother was searching for her father in the afterlife, too. She'd almost lost hope when she woke up one morning and had the urge to reach out to them again. Her mother communicated this message to her. Together now and forever, after many years, God bless you. No other words came, and she thought the message was familiar. Her father had written a note in a book he'd given her in a style that matched the message she received, which was confirmed by a handwriting expert. Supposedly, their daughter Sarah told her story to Stuart Palmer, a writer, in 1929. He published the story in 1953, which included images and photographs of the writing samples. Later, the story of David Lang proved irresistible to authors Harold T. Wilkins and Frank Edwards, who both wrote variants of the tale in their books, 
Strange Mysteries of Time and Space in 1958 and Stranger Than Science in 1959. Both believed in the validity of the tale and were intrigued by the mystery behind it. Wilkins was a British journalist who enjoyed a good mystery. Many of his books delved into the supernatural, including other disappearances, UFO sightings, pirate treasures, and medieval mysteries. But before all of these were published, The Difficulty of Crossing a Field by Ambrose Bierce was published in 1888 in the San Francisco Examiner. The story is about a slave owner who disappeared into thin air on his farm. Most literary historians believe that it was Bierce's tale that inspired the later stories of David Lang. You see, there is no evidence that the Lang family or Judge Peck ever lived in Gallatin, Tennessee during that time. Either they too have disappeared from history, or the whole story had evolved from a piece of fiction, morphing over time into a folklore many believed actually happened. In the 1970s, a Tennessee librarian, Herschel Payne, debunked the story of David Lang. He told a researcher that during the 1880s, there was a well-known trickster in the area named Joseph Mulhattan, who created the story. It said that he'd entered the story into a lying contest. But the librarian had no proof that Mulhattan had been the original source of the story. So, the mystery still remains. But perhaps the most fascinating and albeit awful part of this tale is the real documented disappearance of the man who likely first spun the story of the disappearing farmer, Ambrose Bierce. Ambrose Bierce was an author described as a mix of Edgar Allan Poe and Mark Twain. Born in Ohio in 1842, he was a well-known journalist and wrote short horror fiction. He was an authentic voice of the Civil War, having fought in it himself. He's best known for his short story, An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, which many read in school. He also wrote The Devil's Dictionary, which was a collection of words that he spun his own meanings to, filled with definitions both humorous and eerily insightful. The word accuracy, for example, is described as a certain uninteresting quality carefully excluded from human statements. And his meaning for the word ghost is the outward and visible sign of an inward fear. With his wit and dark humor, it's no surprise he was widely known in his time. But over the years, he's become another part of forgotten history. Perhaps even more fascinating than his tumultuous life or how his marriage dissolved because of a rumored affair, or the death of two of his three children, is the fact that Ambrose Bierce disappeared in December of 1913. The previous October, at the age of 71, he left Washington, D.C. to travel to see Civil War battlefields before going to Mexico, which was in the middle of a revolution at the time and he began following Pancho Villa's army as an observer. It was believed that he was following along to possibly write articles about the revolution, or perhaps write a book about his experiences. Some people believe that he lost his life during a battle or a skirmish. Because of his age, he could have died from natural causes. 
In his last known letter, he says goodbye and forewarns of him possibly being shot during a firing squad at some point. An early biography of one of Bierce's acquaintances, Adolf de Castro, in 1928, stated that he coerced Pancho Villa to tell him the fate of his friend. Supposedly, Pancho Villa tells him that Ambrose was shot because he got mouthy after drinking too much. Others believe that he died of pneumonia in Marfa, Texas. Still others believe that he committed suicide at the Grand Canyon. People who were in contact with him have said that he could have been suicidal at the time. In his last Believe letter to a longtime friend, he wrote, As for me, I leave here tomorrow for an unknown destination. To this day, no one knows for certain whatever became of Ambrose Bierce. In a bizarre twist of fate, story, folklore, who can say? A musician by the name of David Lang produced an opera inspired by Bierce's story, The Difficulty of Crossing a Field. The opera is about the farmer Williamson, not the fictitious Lang. But still, it's quite strange, right? The question must be asked, can fiction somehow morph its way into reality? Are stories that powerful? Through the course of studying folklore, fiction, and mysteries these past several years, I'm learning that nearly everything has its own seed of truth. Life inspires art, and art inspires life. What stories will inspire our own lives? I suppose that leaves us with an unnerving warning. We are what we consume or create. Fabled is produced by me, Vanessa K. Eccles, with music by Kevin McLeod. Fabled is an independent podcast made possible by listener support. If you'd like to receive loads of bonus content and free books, visit patreon.com forward slash fable collective. As always, thank you for listening and happy Halloween. <laughs>